I want you to take your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And I want to speak to you today on the subject, Eternal Father. Have you ever seen someone and you thought for sure you knew them and you knew their name? And then you go up to them and you call them by the name you thought they were, and it happens to be the wrong name. I tell you, that can be very embarrassing, can it not? Mistaken identities. I, I know of a, a young man who went on a recruiting trip, and on the recruiting trip, the, the coach called him the wrong name the whole time. Needless to say, he didn't go there. He's not going there. Mistaken identity. This morning, I want you to consider this question. Who is Jesus? Without a doubt, this is the most important question you will ever answer in your entire life. There are many wrong answers. By the way, when you deal with error, there's a wide open opportunity for you to get, get it wrong. But when you deal with truth, it's very narrow. You see, there's only one correct answer to that question, who is Jesus? The Christmas story is vital as we seek to understand who Jesus is and make sure that we don't make a, the, 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 the bad mistake of getting his identity wrong. Now, you need to understand that the Christmas story does not begin in Bethlehem with Joseph and Mary and the manger and the animals and the, the wide-eyed shepherds. Actually, the story begins a few thousand years earlier. The first prophecy of the coming Messiah can be found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where the Creator God said this after Adam and Eve had sinned. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. God spoke that prophecy to Satan himself. And then in Genesis 22:18, the idea of the seed continues to grow and manifest itself. And God said to Abraham, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now listen, as you go through the Old Testament prophecies, the identity of Jesus gets clearer and clearer and clearer. To Adam, God revealed that Messiah would be a part of the human race. To Abraham, God revealed that the Messiah would be an Israelite. To Jacob, God revealed that Messiah would come from the tribe of Judah. To David, God revealed that the Messiah would arise from his family. To Micah, God revealed the place where Messiah would be born. To Isaiah, God revealed that Messiah would be conceived in the womb of a virgin. Now, when you place all of this together, and you honestly evaluate the mountain of evidence that God gives us in the Word of God, you can avoid 
the tragic mistake of not getting Jesus' identity correct. See, the right answer to this question is that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So today I call your attention to the cornerstone of all Christmas prophecies, which is Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Now this verse is what we might call a birth announcement. But unlike any birth announcement you might get in the mail today, this birth announcement was given to the world by God over 700 years before Jesus was born. It's amazing. So God revealed to Isaiah and to the world four special names for the Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, the Bible says, For a child would be born to us. This speaks of the Messiah's humanity. A son will be given to us. This speaks of his deity. You see, Jesus the Messiah was fully God and he was fully human at the same time. And the government will rest on his shoulders. It speaks of the kingdom that Jesus Christ would establish, an eternal kingdom. And then the Bible says in verse 6, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Now, to avoid the possibility of mistaken identity, it's super important that we grasp the significance of each of these names. So, in our Christmas series this year, we are focusing on this one verse of Scripture, and we are diving deep into each individual names that you find there in verse 6. You see, the Bible says that Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Therefore, we must listen to him and obey him. Jesus is the mighty God. Therefore, he cares for everyone, and he is powerful enough for everything. The third name assigned to the Messiah here in our text today is Eternal Father. Now, you must understand that this special name refers to the Messiah's relationship with people who trust him as Savior and Lord. I don't want you to be confused. Isaiah is not saying that Jesus is the Father. That would be heresy. It's called modalism. And that's a heresy we can never allow ourselves to fall into. I want you to listen to me very carefully. I'm going to give you a brief description of the Trinity. We believe that the Bible teaches there is one God existing in three coexistent, co-eternal, co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is what we embrace as a church. That's what we embrace in Orthodox Christianity. So what was God communicating to us when he assigned to his son, the Messiah, this special name, Eternal Father. Literally, the Hebrew reads like this, the Father of Eternity. Jesus, the Son of God, created time out of eternity. 
And he fashioned the universe out of nothing. Literally, Jesus the Messiah spoke the universe into existence. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, listen to the apostle John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now listen to this. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. The Bible says right here in this ver- these three verses that Jesus is the eternal son of God. And then the Bible said Jesus' own words in Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now, Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. Says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. You see, God wants us to understand that Jesus is unlike any person who has ever walked on this planet. Jesus is fully God, and he's fully man. He's not 50% God and 50% man. He is 100% human and 100% God. Nobody else who's ever walked on this planet could ever make that claim. Now listen, I want you to understand that Jesus is the father of eternity. In Psalm chapter 31 verses 14 to 16, David wrote this. He said, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. Verse 15, listen to this. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. I want you to understand that the eternal father mentioned here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, is in sovereign and complete control of everything related to time on this earth and in creation. He sees the end from the beginning and then nothing ever catches him by surprise. No wonder Paul could declare in Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This is a promise to you from the eternal father, the Messiah himself, who created time and is sovereign over everything eternal. You need to know, you need to know that your times are in his hands. You understand that? Do you understand that he, he knew before you were ever born the date you would be born? He knew before you were ever born the date you would die. He knows all of that. Nothing catches him by surprise. He is sovereign over time and eternity. Now that we have nailed down the first part of Messiah's special name, eternal, let's see if we can get a a better understanding of this reference to the Messiah as the everlasting father, father. In Hebrew, the name father can refer to the head of a household, obviously, but it can also refer to the originator of or the author of something. 
Therefore, Jesus the Messiah is the author of time and eternity, the originator of time and eternity. Now, during his earthly ministry, the Lord Jesus made this statement about Satan. He calls Satan the father of lies. Now, what did he mean by that? Here's what he said. He said, if you want to know where lying originated, if you want to know the source of all lies, trace all the way back to Satan, the fallen angel, Lucifer himself. He said he is the author, the originator of lies. And then the Bible also refers to being a father as the originator, the author of something new. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, the Bible says, Adah gave birth to Jabal. He was the, fa- listen, he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. Now, what is the scripture saying there? He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. That means he was the originator, the first one, the author of dwelling in tents and having livestock. And then verse 21 said, his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. So it says right here, that Jubal is the author or the originator of musical instruments. Now, I hope that helps you to understand what the meaning of this word father can refer to and what I believe it refers to in this text. Now, let's look at a New Testament example of this same idea. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, therefore, Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now listen, don't miss it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, is the author or the originator of faith. And how are we saved? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't ever fall into the trap of a mistaken identity concerning Jesus the Messiah. Listen, it's not just embarrassing. It's eternally tragic. So whatever you do, listen to this. Jesus is eternally significant. Don't miss that. Jesus is eternally significant. As the eternal father who has authored time and faith, you need to know that he is the perfect expression of God's fatherhood to a weary world that's longing for hope. I want you to take your Bible 
and flip over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And I want you to look at verse 8. So Philip speaks to Jesus. Jesus is in the upper room. He's teaching them. And he said, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I, long, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has, listen, he who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. And then Hebrews chapter 1. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 1. Look at verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, like Isaiah, Jeremiah, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us, get this, in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, verse 3, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, listen to this, as he, is an inherit, he has inherited a more excellent name than they. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. No angel in the realm of glory has been given those special names. Only the Son of the living God, the Messiah that God sent to a weary world to bring hope to the world. Now, I want to take the rest of my time. And I just want to give you some practical implications of the fact that Jesus is the eternal father to us. Number one, Jesus loves you. He loves you. In John chapter 15, verses 9 and 13, speaking to his disciples, Jesus said, just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Like a good father, the Lord Jesus loves his children. Listen, raise your hand if you're a father in this room. Just raise your hand if you're a father. Do you love your children? Do this. Absolutely. You love your children. And you know what? Like a good father, Jesus loves his children. He lo you say, Pastor, does God really love me? Did Jesus really love me? Absolutely. And secondly, I want, you to I want you to see this. Number two, Jesus forgives you. 
How many of you have ever done anything wrong? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because, because somebody, I guarantee somebody in this room would not raise their hand and you'd be guilty of lying. I promise you. Jesus forgives you. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in him, that's Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Like a good father, the Lord Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself on the cross in order to forgive the sins and to save the souls of his children. There's not a father in this room that would not take a bullet for your kid. You'd do it. And I'm telling you, my friend, the Lord Jesus will forgive you. He will forgive you. You may have made a mess out of your life, but I'm telling you, he will forgive you. And he will forgive you based upon his own shed blood on the cross of Calvary. Not because of your religion, not because you think your good works outweigh your bad works, not because of your heritage from your family, but he will forgive you only on the basis of his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. Jesus forgives you like a good father. He's willing to sacrifice himself to save you. Number three, Jesus protects you. He protects you. In John chapter 10, verse 27 to 29, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and get the, they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. Like a good father, the Lord Jesus protects his children. Hey, what father in this room would not get up in the middle of night if you hear a noise and your wife and your, your children are threatened by an intruder? What, what father in this room would not get up and grab a baseball bat or a gun or something and go protect your kids and your wife? Every man in this room would do that. Like a good father, the Lord Jesus protects his children. And then number four, Jesus blesses you. In Ephesians 1.3, Powerful verse of scripture. The Bible says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Like a good father, the Lord Jesus longs to bless his children with everything they need to be successful in life. He blesses you with power so that you can forgive people who hurt you. He blesses you with power so you can attempt great things for God and expect great things from God. He blesses you with compassion so you can love people who are hard to love. And you know there are some of those around, don't you? And he blesses you with hope 
so that when life caves in on you, you don't have to succumb to the, the, the problems and the hurt and the difficulty of life, but you can rise above it because of the hope that Jesus provides for you. He blesses you. And number five, Jesus disciples you. He disciples you. In John chapter 13, verses 12 to 15, Jesus, just before he died there in the upper room, had an encounter with the disciples. They were full of themselves. They were trying to figure out which one of them were great, was greater than the other one. And they came in the room that night. And remember, Jesus was within, within hours of dying. And you can imagine walking the dusty streets of Jerusalem. Their feet are nasty. They're wearing sandals. And, and John, Peter, James, none of them grabbed a towel and a basin of water to wash the feet of the other disciples and the Lord Jesus. Do you know what Jesus did? The Son of God, the Messiah, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know what he did? He got down and he grabbed a bowl of water and he girded himself with a towel and he washed the nasty feet of his disciples. In John 13, verses 12 to 15, the Bible says, So when he had washed their feet and taken up his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and so I am. If I then, the Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. My goodness, like a good father, the Lord Jesus set a great example for his children by washing their nasty feet and correcting their sinful pride and, and teaching them the value of servanthood. So who is Jesus? Who is he? Well, he's the Messiah that God promised to send to this weary world. Later on in his prophecy, Isaiah revealed that the Messiah would die a horrible, torturous death for the sins of the human race. Isaiah also revealed that the Messiah would be raised from the dead. He is the one and only Savior and Lord who has established an eternal kingdom and he invites you and me to be a part of that eternal kingdom. Jesus, my friend, is eternally significant. Make sure that if you get somebody's identity wrong, make sure it's not Jesus, okay? You get mine wrong, call me by some other name. But don't get Jesus' identity mixed up in your mind or your heart. Here's another question you must answer in your own heart. Nobody can answer this for you. Here's the question. Does he consider you to be one of his children? 
I didn't ask you if you consider yourself to be one of his children. I ask you this question. Does he, the living Christ, the Messiah, does he consider you to be one of his children? Does he? In John chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the eternal father. He is the prince of peace. Do you believe the testimony of God's word? By faith, will you receive Jesus as your savior and Lord today? You see, he's inviting you to be a part of his kingdom. He wants to do a work in your heart that nobody else can do, that you can't do yourself. He wants to save you. He wants to change your heart, make you a new person in him. I invite you to receive Jesus by faith today as your personal savior and Lord. Nobody can do that for you. A parent can't do it for his teenage son or daughter. A child cannot do it for their parent. A friend can't do it for another friend. You have to decide in your heart if you really believe what the scripture reveals about the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, that was promised all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Do you believe? Will you receive Jesus? I'm going to ask our staff and our worship team to come, and we're going to have a, an opportunity for you to respond. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you're in this room and you're not a believer, remember what I asked you? Does he consider you to be one of his children? And if in your heart of hearts you say, Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm telling you, I can't think of a better time to be sure than right here today. And I want to invite you to come to one of our staff members and just tell them, I, I want to make sure that I'm a true child of the living Lord. And they'll help you with that decision. But many of you in this room, you are believers. You can go back in your mind and heart to that moment like I can at Mississippi State, MacArthur Hall, age of 20, and I received Jesus as my Savior and Lord, and he changed my life forever. And I want to tell you, if you're a born-again believer in this room, if you're a child of God, as it says here in John chapter 1, verse 12, I want you to know that like a good father, he loves you. He loves you. Even when you mess up, he loves you. And like a good father, he forgives you. He forgives you. When you mess up, he forgives you. He doesn't beat you over the head with your mistakes. He forgives you. 
The Bible says he separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. And, and he protects you. You never have to worry or be afraid that you can lose your salvation. He protects you here and now and for all of eternity. And number four, he blesses you. He will bless your socks off. He will give you everything you need to be successful as a follower of Christ. And he disciples you. He wants you to be conformed to his image. He will correct you when you're wrong. Believe me. He will. And, and he, will, he will give you a, a, a pat on the rear end and say, let's go, let's go, let's do this for the glory of God. He will encourage you and bless you and give you everything you need. And he will disciple you. He will disciple you. Let me tell you, folks. Jesus is eternally significant. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, he's eternally significant. So here we are. This is your time to respond. We're going to worship. I'm going to pray. And after I say amen, I want you to stand and let's worship. And remember, if you want to receive Jesus by faith as your Savior and Lord, come to one of our staff members. If you're a believer and you know that you're a child of God, he's confirmed it in your heart. He's changed your life then I want you to take these five truths that we looked at today and allow the Holy Spirit to minister those in your heart. Maybe you want to come to the altar and pray. Maybe you want to pray for somebody in your family. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you have made crystal clear who Jesus is, the Messiah. I thank you that from Genesis to Revelation, we have a, a track record of, of what we need to know about the Messiah. And I pray for those in this room who need to receive Jesus by, by faith as their Savior and Lord. Lord, let them be saved today. And Lord, for believers who maybe need some encouragement today, Lord, I pray you'd take these five truths about how Jesus expressed the fatherhood of God in their particular lives. Oh God, use it in their lives in a powerful way. Well, we love you and bless you in Jesus' name.